Welcome to Charity Chat. This is your host, Freya Samuelson. This week, we're continuing with our International Women's Day series by looking at imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is essentially the feeling of self-doubt, feeling like you don't deserve the achievements that you've made, feeling like a fraud, and that others will work out that you're not as great as they think. Imposter syndrome is said to affect more women, and in particular women of colour, more than men. A poll of 750 high-performing executive women found that 75% of them had personally experienced imposter syndrome at certain points in their career. Incredible trailblazing women such as Sheryl Sandberg and Michelle Obama have said they've even experienced this feeling as well. So today I'm joined with confidence coach Jenna O'Keefe to talk through her work helping women from all walks of life to overcome imposter syndrome and her advice for anyone who may be experiencing this in our industry, whether that's yourself or someone that you work with or a manager. I hope that you get some practical tips on how to retrain your brain. I want to say a huge thank you to Jenna and for Work For Good who have brought this episode to you today. Work For Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. So that's enough from me. Here's my chat with Jenna on how to identify and overcome imposter syndrome. So welcome to Cherry Chat Podcast. Today we have Jenna O'Keefe and she is my uh, good friend from way back when. She's going to talk to us today about imposter syndrome. So Jenna, can you tell us a bit about what you what you do and how you've got here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Jenna O'Keefe. I'm a confidence coach, mindset expert, breathwork facilitator. I need to work on all of that branding to pull it all together. So um jack of all trades really um i started i started my career in fundraising which is why i'm on here that's how i met freya um i have had uh, various jobs either client side or agency side and yeah throughout that i kind of actually discovered that my purpose was really helping people i really excelled in managing people and supporting people and coaching people so i thought hell I'm going to become a confidence coach like let's do it so um yeah since then imposter syndrome has been my bag confidence has been my bag and it's been such a journey so I'm excited to share some things with you today oh brilliant so yeah we met back in uh, an advertising agency and it was very high pressure and um a lot of different people to deal with a lot of mm. different pressures from all different clients to your own team and a lot of it, a lot was expected to be, you know, an expert in every field. So how, tell me a bit more about your experience with imposter syndrome. Yeah, I think um, when I, I felt imposter syndrome at like various points in my career. Um, and I think nothing tests your confidence, like working in an advertising agency. Um, you are working in an advertising agency is you kind of you're expected to know everything especially as a strategist um with very little research and you have to kind of work off the cuff quite a lot and 
I just really, when I first joined, it was literally like throwing the baby out of the bathwater. I was like, what is this? What have I done? This is so unbelievably intense. And you're kind of thrown in front of really senior people um, and expected to give quite a considered opinion very quickly and things like that. And I just, it for me, if I was just doubting myself in every moment, in every interaction that I would have, whether it be with a colleague or whether it be with like the CEO or whoever clients, I would just doubt myself. And the imposter syndrome got so bad that it actually took away from the stuff that I could do well, because my whole nervous system was just in overdrive and fight or flight the entire time so I was just constantly trying to not be found out that I kind of didn't know what I was doing like in quotation marks for those of you listening on the podcast um and it really took away from like I felt like I just completely lost myself and I really lost my creativity and I lost all of the things that I loved about myself like you know naturally I'm quite um I'm quite self-assured like I'm confident naturally like I can really expect I don't have a problem expressing my opinion and I just really lost all of that um myself so that was really hard because I started to just not recognize myself and I started to say things like oh well I'm just not very creative or oh, I'm just not very good and when you say things like that to yourself it's it's really painful um so that that's been my experience with imposter syndrome really and like Actually, it took me a good two years to it took me to kind of getting to rock bottom to be like, I need to do something about this. I can't just hold myself back and stay small and stay apologetic and polite. Um, And that was, you know, really the start of my confidence journey. So anybody that is really feeling that imposter syndrome right now, it's it's so easy to feel defeated by imposter syndrome. But actually maybe this is just your rock bottom and this is just the beginning of your journey too that's really really interesting I feel like I've done that so many times and been and once you start saying something to yourself it becomes just normal and you say it to yourself and you believe it Mm. and uh and yeah just to stop you from thinking oh I can do that because you think oh I'll leave that to someone else because I'm not as good Um, yeah yeah that is and it's so so damaging as well yeah it can keep you stuck for a long time and it can it blocks you from progressing it blocks you from manifesting more opportunities more money more promotions from meeting more people so you know if you're doing if that continues on a trajectory for months and months and years actually what starts to happen is your life becomes really really small and you yeah you just start to lose yourself so actually although imposter syndrome is like we kind of talk of imposter like everybody talks about imposter syndrome you know like it's just kind of thrown about here and there but actually imposter syndrome is pretty serious like and it can be really dangerous if you continue those cycles because it doesn't just affect I know everyone listening to this is listening from a work perspective but actually it starts to infiltrate on other play other parts of your life on your relationships on your weekends you know you start losing sleep waking up at four o'clock in the morning um so really if you are feeling that intense imposter syndrome now's the time to really do something about it so how how would you go about identifying for our listeners who might actually be experiencing this how can they identify that themselves 
Mm. Um, so if you are seeking a lot of reassurance or seeking a lot of validation, that is a really key sign that you are struggling with imposter syndrome, that you are feeling like you're not good enough. Um, if you are really reliant on that feedback. So for instance, if you finish a presentation and nobody says anything to you, if that destroys you or if that leaves you really, really overthinking, you have imposter syndrome. Like you are struggling with limiting beliefs, no doubt about it. Um, if you are holding yourself back in situations, so for instance, if you want to say something in a meeting or you want to raise your hand and you don't because you're scared of what people might say or you're scared of being rejected or being judged, again, that's a really key sign of imposter syndrome and limiting beliefs. Um, as well, like overthinking certain interactions. If you are in a healthy position, in a healthy job, and you're feeling you know, challenged, but in a good way, it's likely that you're not going to be overthinking interactions too much. But if you are getting stuck thinking about conversations kind of hours or days after, again, there's something like that's not, it's common, but it's not normal. Like, and I think that's, again, with we could kind of around this whole mm. podcast with that strap line, you know, like it's common, but it's not normal. And how the brain works with imposter syndrome if you are telling yourself the story that I am not good enough and I don't deserve to be here, what your brain is actually really simple. Your brain will believe the story that you tell it and then it will look for proof to reaffirm that belief. So your brain is like, oh, cool. Is that still true? Um, well, my boss just looked at me in a really weird way in a meeting. Also, oh, it must be true. I'm still bad at my job. I'm still not, you know, I'm, I'm still not good. I still don't deserve success. So your brain and your subconscious will continually look for affirmations of the story that you are telling it. So that's why shifting the beliefs that you hold about yourself is so, so key. Because as you said before, like, you know, it might be that somebody is giving you feedback for something. It might be that, you know, your boss doesn't give you validation or reassurance because your boss is busy and, you know, has two kids and has to go off for half term or something like that. And, but if you are living with imposter syndrome, you might internalize that as my boss is about to fire me. I'm about to get fired. I'm about to be found out. You know, this isn't good. Like, and really, when you think about your nervous system throughout all of this, it means that you're spending day upon day upon day with your nervous system feeling incredibly triggered and feeling incredibly activated. So it's going to be almost impossible for you to have new ideas to be able to create strategies, to be able to think creatively about problems. Like you cannot do that if your nervous system is in a state of activation. Like it's literally impossible. Um, so really learning how to release this imposter syndrome is just so key if you are to progress in your job. So it's essentially kind of just taking up all the space in your head and all 100%. your yeah, all your energy is spent overthinking. And yeah, it does hold you back from actually doing a good job, probably. And then it's just self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. Of <laughs> you just get stuck in a cycle of like, oh God, okay, well, nope, still not very good today. So then I'm going to try a little bit less. Oh, like I'm going to hold myself back more because that was really mm -hmm. awful and I hated mm -hmm. that. Um, and is there any kind of, does compare? I know comparison is a really 
kind of deadly mm. world to enter, especially in the working world. Um, is is does that come into imposter syndrome? Hundred percent. Like I think so naturally again from a psychological perspective we're always putting ourselves in hierarchies it's a very very innate behavior so we look at our peers or our colleagues um, and we rank ourselves we don't want to be the best and we don't want to be the worst we want to be somewhere in the middle because that's like the safe zone like your brain is wired to keep you safe not to keep you happy so you you want to be in the middle that's where that's the safe zone so mm. we naturally are comparing ourselves all the time but it's just that actually social media and working in the way that we do working in big organizations like having lots of lots of fundraising officers or lots of fundraising managers it's very easy for us to make those comparisons and actually those comparisons are amplified so again that and that feeds into the stories again of well I'm not doing as well as that person so you know I'm about to be fired or you know if we go through redundancies I'm the one that's going to be let go I used to think that all the time honestly I was so paranoid in in the agency world if there were like two senior people meeting and with my boss I would be like oh my God, I'm about to be fired. And like, I just had such a higher, I had like such a high level of self-importance. Like I just <laughs> believed that like every senior meeting people were talking about me and about to fire me. Um, but that was the world that I was living in. I was constantly like, when am I going to get found out? When am I going to get fired? Like I was like waiting for it. Yeah. And I guess like, as well as having imposter syndrome, it's also a responsibility to to just be kind to other people and know like yeah. and just not hold them like up to this godlike they have to get everything correct they have to be perfect because that's obviously going to make people feel even worse because perfection is never everyone's always learning constantly learning and I think that's the yeah. that's the best thing that I've learned since working is just that everybody is learning and getting things wrong yeah. and I'd love to be that person who just pretends everything's great and then can just, you know, mm-hmm. wiggle themselves, like turn up to a meeting and just talk a lot of nonsense. And it sounds great. Yeah. But I'm the type of person who do does have to do a lot of research and preparation before because it just doesn't come naturally. So yeah. you work with a lot of women who do have these kind of thoughts and barriers in their life. Is there a common thread um, that keeps coming up in your conversations with them or anything that you've really found that's really quite poignant at all yeah I would say 90% of the women that come to me have a core limiting belief that they are not good enough and this might be surfacing so I don't just work with people in careers I work on confidence so that means confidence with money with relationships in your career in your body whatever that confidence is but really the thread that ties all of the women that I work with together whether they are you know working in fundraising whether they are teachers working at Deloitte or whether they are you know stay-at-home mums like whatever that is whatever that career is they majority of the time are all united by having the core limiting belief that they are not good enough and so for you listening to this podcast it might be that 
you are feeling like you're not good enough in your job. And that's where this core limiting belief is coming up for you. But 99% of the time, it's not about your job. It's about that belief that you're not worthy or you don't you don't deserve success you don't deserve to make good money you don't deserve to be where you are and that always comes from childhood so there's something that happens in your childhood from the ages of zero to eight that has got kind of conditioned as a belief that you are not good enough and so and that could be a whole range of things it could be a parent leaving it could be death of a parent it could be getting bullied at school it could be getting compared to your siblings it could be so many different things and so that's where all of our stories start to differ but majority of the women that come to me have that core limiting belief that they are not good enough and you know nine times out of ten once we do the digging once we have a few sessions it always comes back to that and then it's just identifying where that has come from the root of that belief so that you can clear it and you can get rid of it and move past it we're going to go through some practical kind of things that we can do in a minute but i was just wondering kind of how do you address that past yeah issues yeah, so I think, so starting with how I how we kind of describe it in the coaching world and in therapy is talking talking about inner child healing. So really revisiting your inner child and really understanding what your inner child's needs are and what happened to your inner child in order to kind of leave you feeling like this. And, you know, it doesn't, this is so, it's so common that it doesn't, you could have had a really beautiful lovely privileged upbringing and you'd still have trauma like everybody has trauma obviously obviously people have different differing intensities of trauma from the various experiences that they've experienced but majority of people have trauma and that's it's very common um so i think really starting that inner child healing work like if you are starting from scratch and you haven't heard of inner child healing before i would say really starting to connect back and starting to reflect on your experiences as a child you know did how were you praised as a child what was your family dynamic how did you get on what was the dynamic with your parents did your parents get on with each other um how were you were you compared to your siblings what was the relationship there like like were you bullied did you have difficulties at school so really asking yourself all of these questions to start to piece together like I kind of explain it with my clients like it's like a jigsaw puzzle and you chuck all of the pieces on a table and you start to order them and you start to kind of piece them together and that's really like where you start this journey brilliant so as well as kind of looking internally at yourself our listeners might be managers or um yeah team leaders how can they help their staff or identifying their staff as well I think just being super aware of like if you're managing people I think that emotional intelligence is so important I've been managed by a lot of people that don't have emotional intelligence and it makes it very difficult um so if you don't feel like you've got a lot of emotional intelligence go and look it up (laughs) because it's important (laughs) 
don't manage people (laughs) and so I think just I think everybody's so busy everybody in the charity sector is so busy right so if you're a manager are you taking time to actually think about how your team feel are you taking time to really reflect on your team's interactions because it might be that somebody doesn't feel comfortable to share how they are feeling like lots of people don't feel comfortable to share that because they're probably not even comfortable to confront it themselves so Mm. if you are if you are a manager you have a responsibility to consider how your team are feeling and interacting so if somebody starts acting a little bit differently if they're starting to take quite a lot of time off um again, if they're looking for like a lot of reassurance, or if you're noticing that maybe they're not speaking up quite as quite as much as they have done before in meetings. And really, as a manager, it's your responsibility to provide that reassurance. And maybe not all the time, you know, like you don't want your team to become like dependent on you. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't mean you're a good manager. If your team are dependent on you, mm-hmm. you want your team to be self-sufficient and independent. Um, but it's important that you are approachable and that maybe if they're not ready to talk about it now, that's cool, but actually, you know, your door's always open and you are there to provide that sounding board. And I think it's your, I think it's your responsibility also to make sure that you're protecting them a little bit, you know, like you're providing opportunities, reassurance. If they work in a certain way better. Like you mentioned, you like a lot of time to prepare, for instance. So that's the perfect yeah. example. So if I was managing you and I knew that you like a lot of time to prepare, I would make sure that I was giving you notice and not you know, throwing you into a meeting last minute. Or if we did have to throw you into a minute, meeting last minute, I would say... I know, I know this is a bit out of your comfort zone. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there so I can answer questions with you. Like you're not in this on your own. Like that is a good manager. And yeah, and that will help. Like that will, because a manager can kind of make or break your confidence really. So, and I don't think that's talked about enough at all. Mm. Um, so it is a responsibility. It's a responsibility managing people. And although it's not your responsibility to heal somebody, it's not your responsibility to fix their imposter syndrome. It is your responsibility to be a kind human being and to offer them, you know, everything that you can to help them in their journey to healing. And in fact, kind of, if imposter syndrome is holding someone back and making disbelief in what they can do, if you can address that, then it should build confidence yeah. and people will fit, yeah, have, like you're saying, have more space in their brain to be creative and think of strategy and just think outside the box Mm -hmm. which is yeah finding that space in every day is kind of very difficult absolutely Um, it's about um when you think of it so I love psychology and I love talking about science so when you think about their nervous system if their nervous system is in fight or flight is there anything that you can do to help to help them feel a bit easier or feel a bit safer Mm. and that does help like it won't solve it for anybody but it helps if somebody is there and somebody is helping you to feel safe. Mm -hmm. I I think there was a book we both read called The Confidence Kit. Mm. And and it gave me the best learning ever. And I still remember it. And I always used to, in reviews, be told, oh, you just need to be more confident. You just need to build your confidence. 
And I was like, why am, why am I not confident in this thing that I know absolutely nothing about <laughs> yeah. and I've only been doing for two months? Like, how can I not be confident? And it wasn't until I read that book that it kind of just switched it. And it basically says, you can't, you can't just be confident. You have to have courage and build on that courage repeatedly and then you become confident Mm -hmm. and that kind of made me feel like okay yeah this isn't just me being I can I'm just amazing at this and I should just be confident and everyone believe it it's being courageous and thinking no matter what happens I'm just going to do it and hope for the best and I will learn and I'll get better and then I will be confident kind of thing it's a muscle isn't it like when you think of it like that it's confidence is a muscle and if you're doing something for the first time, you're not going to be confident unless you're a narcissist. (laughs) (laughs) And there's some of those at work for sure. (laughs) They're the people who you should not compare yourself against. The person giving you that feedback. (laughs) (laughs) So... We've covered kind of, yeah, how to look for it in yourself, how to identify in your team and what you can do. Um, so what are the practical steps that people can take to adjust their thinking and kind of break down this barrier that's holding them back? Yeah. So I would say starting with really understanding what your imposter syndrome is saying to you. So knowledge is power. Like if you start to understand what that imposter syndrome is telling you that's going to help you to unearth it so when you when you're coming up to a situation that's out of your comfort zone and you're feeling this imposter syndrome in your body firstly asking yourself the question where am I feeling this in my body is it in my chest is it in my gut is it in my shoulders is it in my head is it in my hands what does it feel like and then starting to notice that inner critic chatter in your mind so what is it saying to you is it saying you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You're not intelligent enough. You're, you're too old. You're too young. You know, like what is that? What is that narrative and getting a pen and paper and writing that down? Because actually when you see those words and you physically write them, you will start to understand how horribly harsh you are being to yourself. And naturally it depends how deep this runs, but naturally you will start to throw doubt on the things that you are writing on that paper. So I'm too old, for instance, you will be able to start throwing doubt on that in terms of, no, I have, you know, years and years of experience, like, and I am wise, like that's key. So you can start to almost coach yourself out of this. Um, But even like if your imposter syndrome doesn't run that deep, Sometimes even just bringing this to the awareness is enough for you to naturally challenge it and you to move on. If it's still there and if that doesn't help, you need to go deeper. You need to you need to start accessing your subconscious to really understand what inner child trauma you are holding on to that's keeping you stuck, that's keeping you agreeable, polite, small, you know, holding you back. Um you can do this in a various, you can do this in a variety of ways. You can work with a therapist, you can work with a coach, you can, um, you can do this self-led and do something like, um, breath work as well. Like, so there are various different ways that you can do that. Um, yeah. So really understanding, understanding that, understanding what it's saying, where it's come from. 
And then I would say, so taking action, this isn't, this isn't going to go like, this is hard to hear, but this isn't going to go away on its own. You're not just going to leave the house one day and automatically be like, oh, it's gone. Great. Thanks. Move on. Like you have to create action. Like you have to do something about this. And even the fact that you're listening to this podcast right now, you have taken action. And that is something to be celebrated. Like you've obviously seen this episode and thought, oh God, okay, I need to listen to this. Like that's your first step. So celebrating you in this moment, like that's absolutely awesome. Another step that you can take is really starting to retrain your brain to change that story that you are worthy and that you are good enough. So writing down like 15 to 20 things that you are so proud of, big or small, I don't care, at work, out of work, I don't care, get them down, right? Like, because I want you to start retraining yourself to believe that you are worthy. What, where your focus goes, your attention, no, where your attention flows, your energy goes. Basically, the stories that you tell yourself, you're going to believe and you're going to seek more of. So if you're telling yourself that you are rubbish and you're not good at your job, that's going to be what, that's going to be your cycle and your loop. If you are telling yourself, it's okay for me to be a beginner, beginner. I have achieved so many cool things in my life. Like this is my next one and that's cool. And I'll make mistakes, but let's keep going. That will change your energy. It changes how you show up. And naturally this imposter syndrome will just release because you've changed your mindset. So really thinking about, I think leaning on somebody as well, like you don't have to go through this on your own. Like it's incredibly emotional. Like it's really, really painful. Like it's really painful. I remember the feeling so vividly. And I remember just thinking, I just felt trapped by it. So really kind of leaning on someone is going to help you. Um, What else would I say? So, and I think changing what this fear means to you. So fear doesn't feel comfortable in our body. It feels uncomfortable. We don't like it. And we will take action to not feel that. So whatever action we have to take, we'll take it just to not feel this fear. So again, retraining yourself to find safety in fear. So you'll know this from working with a coach or working with a therapist. The goal isn't to make you fearless. Like that is not the goal. And it's such a common misconception. Like I have my clients come to me all the time and people slide in my DM saying like, oh my God, like you just, you're just not afraid. Like you're just, oh my God. Like if only you knew how much of a nervous wreck I have been in, like, it's not that I'm not afraid. It's that I have trained myself to feel that fear and just to take action anyway. Like that's it. And that's not because I'm special, I'm different or anything like that. It's just because I have had, I've determined, I'm determined not to let that fear rule my life. And it's a journey, isn't it? But really thinking about how you can change your relationship with this fear of getting found out. Like worst case scenario, absolutely worst case scenario, you don't do well at this job that you know makes you feel uncomfortable, that makes you feel unsafe. You don't do well and you get fired. Okay, so... What's, are you going to, are you going to die? Are you going to, you know, is that going to be the end? Is the world going to stop? Are your parents going to disown you? Like, you know, are all your friends going to just cut you off? No, but your body will be telling you that. Like your body will be telling you this is like the worst possible thing that could ever happen. But really the reality is 
okay, you get fired. It's not great, but you know, if they're firing you because it's either the job isn't right for you or they're not a great employer and that's cool. You move on, you get redirected onto something much better. So when you start to come at things from that attitude, actually fear doesn't feel so scary. Like the fear of judgment, the fear of, um, the fear of being rejected, it becomes like, it becomes nothing. It's like powerless. And then you have so much power in yourself because it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if someone wants to not work with you anymore. Um, so really changing that relationship with fear, changing that relationship with how you feel about yourself. And this is a long, long journey. It takes time and it takes practice. Like think about running a marathon, like you train for months and months and months, like think about this, like pull together a little training plan for yourself. So what does that look like? Does it look like, you know, pushing your comfort zone once a week, starting to journal every day and creating a nice morning routine for yourself? using affirmations to remind yourself of like all the cool stuff that you've done and how um credible and successful you are like all of these things help but hopefully there's some like really solid practical steps there that you can take away and you can start implementing like now to make the change Mm. so many things you're saying i'm like damn (laughs) (laughs) damn brain no that's it that feeling of being of uh, fear of getting sacked or fired mm. I remember talking to my mum and being like well this is this is gonna happen and that's gonna happen and this and that, that and I'll end up on the streets and she was like Freya <laughs> <laughs> yes, like, how have you come to this conclusion yeah it's kind of, it's kind of crazy how your brain takes you in a, such a, a spiral of events yeah and I think you become like so I remember being so desperate to impress, like so desperate to, like I remember saying to, (laughs) I remember saying to a really senior member of staff, I want to be the best planner that you've ever had. What? (laughs) Like what? And I just, I look back and I laugh, but it just came from a place of pain. I was just so desperate to be Mm. approved of. And actually, when you start to change your relationship with that and you start to validate and approve yourself, it, it, imposter syndrome starts to become more and more insignificant because you validate yourself and it doesn't really matter. You're not seeking approval. You're not looking for people to like you anymore. That is so, so much useful information. Thank you. And oh, so if anyone would love to find out more and get some help from you you do actually have your own podcast I do I do so I have um you can find me on Instagram so I'm at Jenna O'Keefe.co um you can listen to my own podcast which is the Cosmically Confident podcast so you can find me on all streaming channels um and yeah I have various different so I have a membership I have various different courses so come and say hello and if it is something that you want support on I would love to hear from you amazing I hope you carry on helping amazing people realize how amazing they are (laughs) thank you huge thank you to Jenna that was really interesting and I definitely did a lot of self-reflection during that chat. I think the main takeaway from this is that you can't control the things around you but you can control the way that you think and how you let things affect you. 
these self-limiting beliefs keep people trapped in a place where you can't grow and the only way to grow is to push yourself out of your comfort zone and as Jenna says feel the fear and do it anyway and I like that realistically you'll never be fearless but slowly you'll learn to cope with it and push through However, dealing with imposter syndrome cannot stop external factors around you from making you feel like you're not good enough. You should also question what other factors that are making you feel this way. You may be experiencing bullying, racism or discrimination, and these absolutely need to be addressed as well. I referred to some research at the beginning of this podcast, and they also found that when women were asked which dynamics within the workplace were most valuable to help reduce feelings of imposter syndrome, almost 50% said that having a supportive performance manager helped and 72% said that they looked to a mentor or trusted advisor when they doubted their abilities. So as much as you can work on imposter syndrome internally, there are a lot of ways that you can help others from feeling this way. And ensuring you are creating an environment around you that doesn't make you continually doubt your ability is crucial. So thanks again for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode and find it useful. And of course, please let us know your thoughts or if there's anything you'd like us to cover or may in fact have your own great story or insights that you need to be shared with the world. Get in touch through our website, charitychat.org.uk. Now it's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work For Good. Work For Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. Thank you also to Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Axamit for our beautiful website, and Forest of Fools for playing throughout the show and for playing us out now. This has been your host, Freya Samuelson. Thanks again and speak to you soon.